0: Well, friends, uh, my name is Austin. I'm one of the pastors here. And, um, what we do that's particularly, uh, unique to us as a congregation is we talked about finding and following Jesus together. Um, one of the things about that togetherness is that we believe that we are better together as long as we get to know each other, uh, in friendship and in love and care for one another. And so the way we do that here is if you're new this morning is we take the next five minutes, um, after our kids time before our message to encourage you and invite you to engage one another in friendship, uh, through a question, I know some of you introverts, you're like, what? I didn't sign up for this. Don't worry, we have a prompt for you, and we also have uh, donuts, coffee, uh, and water in the back that you can go get. And so um, I encourage you, all of those who stay seated, to stand up, because the thing about church is you always sit in the same spot. And so you only meet the same people around, so we're going to encourage you to go, like, if you're over here, go over here, you're here, 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 here. Um, and so we're going to ask this question. So this is a question that you're going to ask to one another. What is your go-to movie or show? If you got nothing else to do, what's your go-to movie? Take the next five minutes, and we'll see you back. <laughs> hey, friends, that's uh, our cue to come back. Um, we're So thank, thank you, Chad, for bringing us back. Uh, and as you come back, we're in the midst of a series on joy and if this is your last week and you've missed everything else, that's okay uh, because you came to the best one and you're going to find out everything you need to know in this one uh, weekend. And so um, I have a question for you as everybody comes back. Uh, this is a kind of a call and response or maybe a question. Um, I have a phrase that we've been talking about, Um, I have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a five-year-old, and as they get older, right, they want to keep certain things to themselves, and so I have a phrase that I want to ask you to finish, and maybe you'll know it, and maybe you won't. Um, uh, Secret secrets are no fun. There we go, at least something. Let's go! You all failed. You get an A+. Plus, right? Um, yeah, so on our thing, as we say secret secrets are no fun. Secret secrets hurt someone. And so we were talking about this morning, um, this uh, idea of what the secret is. And one of the things, um, uh, it's around Philippians 4.13, which I'm holding a mug for my friend, Pastor Becca. It says, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. And so what we want to do is uh, give you the secret of a, a verse taken in its correct context, but also that hopefully that will change your life. And so like maybe um, a secret that changed your life or uh, like when you watched The Matrix and Keanu Reeves was told there is no spoon and you were like, and you all went like this, right? So this is, uh, this is a Paul's secret. So if you want to turn, so we're going to talk about this one thing this morning, um, in the secret that is uh, what does it look like to be joyful in Christ? To live a life that is filled with joy. This is what we're talking about this morning. It's in every day and in every way, we're supposed to be content in Christ. In every day, in every way. We're content in Christ. So if you'll join me, if you want to turn to Philippians 4, um, verse 10, starting in verse 10, we will read that together. If you have your Bible in front of you, whether it's digital or physical, we always encourage you to look at it with us, or you can follow on the screen uh, behind me. And so this is what it says. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that... Uh, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying that because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to read that 12 and 13 again, because this is what we're going to sit in this morning. And so I want you to hear it again as we allow this to marinate in our hearts. It says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Um, so this morning we're talking about this idea of contentment and uh, contentment is the, should be, I'm going to say this for us, should be, because I don't know where but contentment sh- is, should be the not so secret secret. Right? It's one that like he talks about, I've learned the secret and the secret is contentment. And so it's not like he's holding it to himself, but he's written this to the Philippians. He's probably told this to the other churches that he's written to, that he's established. He goes, contentment, in Christ is the way to live a joyful life. And so this morning we talked about well, what does that contentment actually look like? Well, I had to think about like what does contentment look like in Christ and what is the contentment that is offered to us in the world around us? And so I like to look up de- definitions and I like to think about it and contentment in our culture would say this and it would be defined uh, if you talked about contentment, it would be defined like this. That contentment is established at a certain threshold. And that threshold is variable to ever it is um, oriented towards. Like, so for mine, is different than yours. Or to say another way, is that uh, our satisfaction, our contentment, is determined based on your situation or circumstance. That you can be satisfied in your situation and your circumstances at whatever level is Uh, deemed for you. And so when we talk about this idea of contentment, um, the culture says that your contentment is variable to mine, but whatever you establish is that you need to go to get there. And then when you arrive at that situation or that circumstance or that level of contentment, then you've arrived, right? And then everything else is excess. But when we talk about, Paul talks about, um, you know, um, contentment, he, he talks about it this way. He says that I have learned the secret, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so I thought about this one thing. It's like if we're talking about um, the secret, the secret to a joyful life, and so you might be sitting here goes, I don't know if I'm joyful. Like, decide, are you, are you joyful or not? And I think that's so dependent on our situation, our circumstance, because we've been, um, encouraged to live into the narrative that contentment is something that is elusive. That in one season you might have it, in another season you might not. But the secret that Paul says is that I have contentment in every situation, in every season, whether plenty or want. And one of the things that we want to do is make sure that we contextualize this text for us too. And so I want to use a visual here. I got these cups up here to help us. And sometimes like kids, right, I'm a visual learner. And so like we're talking about if our culture says like, here, let's put like... 25% in there, let's get this cup with 50%, and let's get this cup with 75%. And one of the things that we as as disciples of Jesus who are learning to follow and apprentices after Jesus, one of the things that we have been trying to figure out is what does contentment look like as disciples of Jesus? Right? And so in our lives, we would say that for some of us feel like we're in this 25%. Like our life is not going really great. It's not terrible. It's not falling apart. But we feel like there's a lot of room for improvement. Right? Or some of us are coming in here. We're like, you're like, how are you doing today? And you're the people that go, "Mm, I'm okay. You're the 50-50. Right? Right? Or maybe some of you are like the 75% above and you're like, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Everything is good, awesome, right? But there's maybe a little bit of things if you ask like, well, what would really put it over the top? I know you would have one or two things that you'd be like, this would change everything. And right, and what we do is as followers of Jesus, if we live in, in contentment as defined by the culture around us, is we get confused to say that if you're a 25, 50, or 75% is like, that when we read this text, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which means I'm, I'm operating at the 25, you, we're operating at the 50, we're operating at the 75, and that Jesus is operating in whatever is left over. And so we're like, some of you for the 25%, like, man, I need Jesus to really work in my life and to come and bring it because I am, am, I'm lacking. I'm in desperate need. And then some of you 50-50, you're like, man, I can, I, I'm pretty good. I can operate. I'd love for Jesus to come and to fill my life to a certain measure so that I would really feel content. Uh, and some of you for in the 75% says like, there's this difference between you know, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty good at doing and living in all my situations by myself and I just need Jesus to do it a little bit. Maybe that 25% for you that life is going really good is like, I just, Jesus to give me grace and give me a way into heaven, right? That's my, my, my contentment. But one of the things that we need to understand when, when Paul says, I have learned the secret to live content in all situations, here's, here's this verse taken into context is our belief is that we operate in however full our cup is, but the reality is that Jesus is the full cup. There's no division between where you are and where Jesus begins. That Jesus is working in all of the places. If you're at 25% and you need Jesus to show up 75 guess what? He's working in 100%. If you feel like your life is going pretty okay and nothing really terrible is going on, Jesus is working in 100% of your life. That's what Paul says. It's that I can do all things... What he's actually saying, that things, is I can do all of this. In whatever circumstance I find, me I can do all this. Because it's Christ in me that allows me to do all things. Paul, though, he was like an incredible disciple maker, right? Would be the one that has written so many books that we're like, hey, how do you follow Jesus? And we'd be like, we put him on a pedestal. And he's like, actually, it's not me that can do all things. Me that planted a planted church is because Jesus has done it all. In another way, maybe you need to see it and the vice versa. That when we get so confused by I can do all things, maybe you need to hear what Jesus says that influences what Paul talks about. In John fifteen five, it says this. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, I will remain in you, and you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And again, I like uh, visuals, and so like I have a, pot, uh, a plant that was on Kyle's desk. And so to say that God is working in all things, and that you know He is the head of the church, He is the head of the body, that we are the body of Christ under the head, that apart from Him we can do nothing, is to say that if we come in here, what happens if I if I put water in this in the, in, the, in this plant? What happens? It'll grow. By you doing anything or by the water that is nourishing you? Jesus says, I am the living water. So the water that is pouring you is not done anything by your own ability, but by Christ. But the moment that you believe that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, when you can do all things, like I can get what I can get on my own, what you do is you detach yourself from the very lifeblood of the thing that gives you existence and life. What's going to happen to this? What's going to happen to it over the next couple of weeks? It's going to turn brown, it's going to wither, and it's going to die. And so the thing that when we take this out of context, that the, the, the moment that you as a disciple of Jesus think that you can operate independently of Christ is the moment that you begin to die. So the moment that you believe that your life and contentment and the way you operate is that you get confused to think that you have a place in operation is the moment that you detach yourself. The moment that you begin to pull yourself from the source of life in the beginning of your death. And so as a church, we want to talk about what does it look like? And some of you are saying like, this is good. I hear this. But for some of you, you're, you're a practical person. You want to know like, what does this mean for me? I've heard this verse all the time. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What we want to talk about uh, as we as we end this morning is that contentment is both a learning and an unlearning process, right? The fact is that we've grown up and we've learned certain things. The, the fact that there's a mug like this means we've learned wrong and that con- learning is a process of unlearning as well, right? And so this morning as we get that practical voice of what does that actually look like for us to live attached to Christ and content in every situation knowing that God is working through it all and it's not us versus Christ or us in tandem with Christ it is Christ alone well here's what I want to say we have a practice here at, at uh, Pine Lake when we receive a blessing what is it? does it now. know? we hold our hands out why do we hold our hands out? to receive when somebody's going to give you something what do you do? You live you you put your palms out and what? Open. When you're not content, what do you do? In this same example, what do you do? If you're not content with life and you're worried about things that are going on around you, what do you do? You ball them up, you clench them. And the reason that we receive a benediction with our hands open wide is because we want to live people who are open-handed palms up people We want to be open-handed disciples of Jesus who are content in every situation to receive from Christ. The contentment that he has for us in this situation and in this circumstance, and so when we l- are learning to receive, we have to unlearn a clenched fist because you can't res- you can't hold on or receive anything because what happens is you believe that if I open my hands up, I can uh, do nothing. Like I can, um, when we have clenched fist, you're, you really believe in that I can do all things, right? This clenched fist of receiving is like, I don't actually need anything else from God. I just need to hold on to what he's given me already. So you can't receive anything. And so we hold on. But as people who are learning to receive, we have to open our hands to say that I can do nothing apart from Christ. So that my every breath, my every wa- wa- waking moment, my walking from here to there, my rising and falling, my eating or not eating is all received from Christ. I'm learning to receive everything in every circumstance for whatever He puts in. You can't receive if you have clenched fist. And the other part of learning is to give. Right? It's not only to receive, but when you want to give something to somebody else, you hold it in your hand and you give it loosely. As disciples who are content, we need to unlearn our clenched fists that says, without whatever I have that is it, I become nothing. That you have this fear mentality that if you don't, if you clench your fist because God feels like he's going to take it away from you or he wants you to give it to you, that you'll be less than because you will have less in your hands. And so we don't give because we don't want to lose what we have. Because giving it to someone else means that they are better than you and you are less than. But as disciples of Jesus, we want to be open-handed people who learned that Jesus plus nothing if nothing is in your hand you have everything. And I know some of you have been in this situation where you feel like you have your head your hands open and everything has been taken away and you feel like you have nothing. But instead of living into your natural inclination is to close those hands and to hold on to tight whatever you have I've watched you be apprentices after Jesus who keep your hands open and say, Lord, I have nothing. I need you. And so I'm going to continue to live in this posture of living of my hands wide open so that I can receive from you instead of closing my fist and going after whatever I can hold in my hands. That our contentment is not to be, we need to unlearn as disciples to be closed-fisted people to be open-handed. Not only so that you can receive from the Lord, but you can also give it away. This is the process of discipleship. This is what it looks like to apprentice after Jesus. To walk into here, to live into contentment in whatever situation is to be open-handed people when our natural desire is to be closed-fisted. Can I tell you one thing? That contentment is not, a, is not a natural posture for human beings. Contentment is not a story that you will hear that you will say you are a better person because you live a contented life. It's a process of learning. That's why Paul says, I have learned the secret. Contentment right now is not something that you're like, I understand it, and all of a sudden it's an instantaneous process. Contentment is a learned process of walking and step with Christ. In every situation, in every circumstance. You can't walk and receive and give if you're closed-fisted people. Try walking with a loved one with a closed hand. What happens? They can't hold on. You can't hold on. And then you, when you can't hold on, and when you can't be connected to the person of Jesus next to you, is that you begin to walk out of step with Christ. So, friends, as we continue to live into this baptism into this life, I want you to hear that it is Jesus in everything, and in every situation. To be disciples who are open-handed, whether you have little or you have much, that you open your hands up both to receive from Christ but also give it away. This is what it looks like. This is the secret of life in Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that as we move into the place of baptism, into this sacrament, God, we would be reminded the joy of our salvation, the moment that we came and our eyes were open to see you for who you are. And in that moment, for all of us have had that moment, we knew that you were everything. That we needed nothing but you. But God, over the years, the days, the moments, we have lost that feeling. or We have been deceived to believe that we need more than you. So right now, I just want to, in this space, Father, I pray that you would send the Holy Spirit to, to call us to one thing to remember that you are everything God take it all away and we still have you God give us all things so that we might give it away so Father we ask that you would come that you'd be in this place we ask this in your name Amen. I'm going to invite um, Mar- Pastor Mark, uh, Pastor Becca, I'm going to ask uh, Emma and Renna to come up. Um, this is a special morning because we are um, participating as a church in baptism. And if you're new to the church or you're new uh, to what it looks like to life in Christ, baptism is an outward sign of an invisible inward reality uh, that Emma and Renna have uh, proclaimed that Jesus is everything to them. And so now they stand before us as a body of Christ saying, I want to proclaim this to you. And so this is a joyous moment that we do as a congregation because it's both a reminder of your baptism or your moment of conversion and claiming Christ, but it's also a commitment to discipleship. It's a commitment to your own discipleship and to make disciples of all nations. But lastly, it also is a celebratory moment. Right, It's a celebration where we celebrate God moving in our midst. It is the rocks, it's the God sightings that we have seen. This is a moment to celebrate. So as in a few moments when they're baptized, we want to encourage you to celebrate with them as you pray over them, as you clap and shouts of praise as they come out of the water. But mostly we want to remember by the sign and the symbol that God is at work here in Pine Lake, in Sammamish, in Washington. And we get to see what God has been doing as a visible representation. So take a look um, at this video to get to know a little bit more about Emma and Renna.
1: Hello, my name is Emma Schull. I'm in ninth grade and I go to Eastlake High School. To me, baptism means following in the footsteps of Jesus and making a public statement that I'm following Christ. I'm choosing to be baptized because I'm ready to dedicate my life to Christ with the help of the church community and pastors. I want people to know that Jesus always pulled me back towards Him through church and studying the Bible.
2: Hi, I'm Renna Chow, and I'm going to be a ninth grader at East Life next year. Baptism for me is an outwards expression of my love for Jesus and that I want to live through Him from this point on. I've been considering baptism for a couple of years now. And this year, I'm really excited to do it with my friend Emma, and it just feels like the time is perfect, and God's calling me to do this now. I want people to know that my relationship with Jesus has helped me find joy and peace in life, and I'm still getting to know him more and trying to be more like Jesus, but I think baptism is a really good step in helping me get closer to that.
1: Emma and Renna, those are just fabulous videos. Thank you for sharing your faith journey with us and why you want to be baptized. It blesses us richly. So today is indeed just an incredible joyous occasion where we celebrate this decision that you've made publicly to follow Jesus. And so I have a few questions for you that shouldn't come as too much of a surprise. (laughs) Emma and Renna. Do you now desire to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? If so, say I do. I do. Proclaiming this covenant with Jesus Christ, do you renounce all the powers of evil and declare your opposition to a way of life in contradiction to the gospel? If so, respond, I do. I do. Do you repent of your sins and confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and living as his faithful disciples? If so, respond, I do. I do. And empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you do all in your power to participate fully in the life of this congregation, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? If yes, respond, I will, with God's help. I will, with God's help. Excellent.
3: Emma and Renna, this day is about celebrating God's faithfulness in your life. And, uh, this day is about celebrating the ways in which God is at work around us in this church, in this community, in our world. But, but this day is really about you as well. Church. Families. Family from Canada, family from other parts of the country that have been here to walk with these girls faithfully, Um, your church family. These friends, these faces that you see consistently. Uh, church, this is a day for us as well to not only celebrate and affirm the way that God has been at work in Emma and Renna's life, but to remember our own baptisms and the way that God continues to extend grace and love to us. And so church, we have a, a question. And uh, if you, uh, would you just follow along on the screen today as we continue to worship this morning and celebrate. Church, will you uphold the privilege and responsibility of discipling Emma and Renna in prayer and action as they continue in their walk with Jesus as members of this community.
2: We will, with
3: God's help. Amen. Uh, we want to pray for Emma and Renna before we dunk you. Um, so church, would you uh, extend a hand uh, just as a sign of, of being with them and standing with them as we uh, witness today what is going on? So, Lord Jesus, we know that your presence here is now. Spirit, we know that you go before us, that you are in and through everything. And yet, God, we know that uh, even in the baptism of Jesus, that, that your spirit is present in a special way that we get to recognize today. God, may we not miss it. God, would you stir in each of our hearts in the ways that you have been calling us and drawing us, closer to you and god may this act of worship and surrender to you be a reminder for each of us lord we thank you for the lives of emma and renna god thank you for this friendship thank you for the gift it is to be able to walk with one another to take this step together to be each other's biggest cheerleaders and fans and comfort and accountability god thank you for the ways that you've called each one of them God, that you have given them purpose and identity in you. That you have gifted them to go and to serve and love others. And God, thank you that they do that so faithfully. Lord, most of all, we we ask that, that you would be honored, that you would be glorified in this moment. God, it would just, in one hand, be a simple next step of faithfully saying yes to you, and in Another hand, God, it would just be this transformative moment for Emma and Renna to know that, God, you are at work, that you want to do a thing in their lives. And all they have to do is say yes. God, thank you that they are saying yes to you today and that we get to witness it. We ask these things in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen.
2: So as they're being baptized, let's sing and worship over them. Would you stand with us?
4: As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us, come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us, amen. Come rest on us, come rest on us. What oh, oh, one more time.
2: Let's pray together. God, we thank you for all that you've done today at Pine Lake Covenant. God, thank you for Renna and Emma, God, and them answering your call for baptism, Lord. Lord, we declare, God, that you are the reason we are here. You are the reason people are baptized. You are the reason people are saved, forgiven, and set free. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence among us today. God, I pray that as we are sent out from this place, God, we would take your spirit with us, God, into everywhere you are calling us to go. God, that we would be a light, God. So Lord, we give you everything we have, God, these tithes, these offerings, God, we give you what we can. We say that we keep using it, God, keep multiplying it, Lord. Keep using it that we might baptize more people, that we might make more followers, God, and believers in you give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray.